Welcome to the Coaching Kernan Show. We're back here. Episode 5, it's June 13th, Monday. We're going to have our rendition of the segment called Real Voices of the Game. Our special guest today is none other than former Major League infielder, career 290 hitter, and our certified hitting guru, founder of She Gone Nation, Jeff Fry. Today's show is brought to you by our sponsor, One-on-One, a pathway to college athletic scholarships. As of this morning, 549 scholarships awarded to uh, young people in men's and women's basketball, baseball, and softball. Tremendous effort by them. Their mission is to make the parents the first educator in the recruiting process and keep them away from all those recruiting gurus out there. Follow them at at one-on-one, your shot on one, or they're on Instagram at at one-on-one, your shot on your terms. Follow them and reach out if you need assistance, 100% placement rate for our sponsor. As always, I'm your resident coach, Dave D'Agostino, joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame sports writer, and as we know him, America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. Please follow him on Ball 9, two great articles per week. We also have with us this morning our resident scouting expert. We refer to him as Bull, 45 years in professional baseball, scout, coach, player. Um, for his protection, we call him Bull for the show. Um, welcome back, boys. The boys are back in town, ready to go. Uh, Kevin, we're global now. 637 emails after last show. I told Jeff before the fr- show, we promoted this yesterday with one tweet. We had over 200 emails this morning when, when I clicked on the email box pertaining to today's show. So it hasn't even said a word yet, and they already have questions for him. So that's that's a great guest to have. We're now entered, we've now entered 10 countries outside the U.S. with our listenership. And want to welcome Bull, Kevin, back to the show. It's great to have you. You guys make this show go. And Kevin, I'm going to ask you a question to intro our special guest here today, and I think it'll get you going. Um, with our mission, as we know with our show, our mission is to save the world one player at a time, trying to build a better baseball IQ for the youth out there and the coaches. With the state of the game, why is somebody like Jeff Fry so important to that mission? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and Jeff is important because he's not afraid to um, shake it up a little bit and tell the truth, much like I do. And I think that's how we became friends. I mean, I covered, uh, I, you know, I covered uh, baseball during Jeff's era. And again, he hit 290, folks, 290, 357 uh, on base percentage, uh, you know, got the job done. And his short time in Colorado, I think he hit 356. So, so this guy knows what he's talking about hitting wise. He obviously has had enough. He's got a, he's got an underground nation following him. That's incredible because all, all the, uh, all the people who work for major league teams that can't say anything because they're afraid to lose their jobs, rightfully so. I get it. My post, my job was eliminated by the New York Post, so I know, I get what you're saying. But this guy, this guy is is uh, he's great on infield play and hitting. So I'm going to start real quick because we, we're going to let Jeff talk a lot. Um, you know, 30th round draft pick, hit 290. What do you, what do you, Jeff? What do you tell our listeners? about hitting and what's going on with hitting now and, and what She Got Nation is all about and, and how how they can become better hitters, not swingers, but hitters. Keep it simple, Kevin. That's mm. what I was taught. Keep it simple. And you know, I, I became a good hitter because I practiced nonstop as a kid. That's all we did was play baseball out in the street, out in the fields, the backyard, wiffle ball, tennis ball, whatever kind of ball we could find we played baseball and we never worried about our mechanics the way we learned to hit was trial and error emulating our favorite players of the time and whatever your favorite team was and 
you know, if I was the San Francisco Giants and I was leading off, I had to be Billy North and I had to bat left-handed. And then when it was Willie McCovey's time up, I was left-handed. And then I'd switch to Jack Clark or Mike Ivey or Johnny LaMaster. And we just emulated all these players. And we developed, my cousin and I, we played nonstop. We, we developed good hand-eye coordination. And we never worried about our mechanics. We never worried about lifting the ball and hitting home runs. It was just trying to square the ball up every time. And and that and and it works. You know, that's what the other thing is. Uh, and one of the things that you talk about all the time is, you know, and we're not going to get into the gurus, but you can find your, you know, you can find your swing with a little bit of work. And hard work is the key. The other part of the thing, and we'll, we'll, we'll go into depth on some other things, but I also want to at least introduce early on. Perry Hill's relationship with you as an infielder. Like I said, you were a 30th round pick. I think you met Perry in the minor leagues. And I know you're still friends with Perry, who's, I think he's with Seattle still. Best infielder coach. I remember when I covered, uh, when I did my book with Jack McKeon, you know, he loved Perry Hill uh, down at the Marlins. Uh, tell us that side of the game as well. Because here, here, you know, what we try to do here is make you a better all-around ball player. We, we improve the baseball IQ. So it's not just about hitting. It's not just about this. It's about the whole game. And I wanted to ask you about infield play as well. What did you do there to get to be to the major leagues? Yeah, well, what got me a, an opportunity to play professional baseball was hitting. Um, and when I got into the Meyer Leagues my first year short season in Butte, Montana, I was pretty pretty raw defensively and – I bought into what Perry Hill, Perry Hill um, taught, which was middle funnel, replace your feet, follow your throw. And I worked at it religiously to, to the point where every time, once I got to the big leagues, I went out to second base. And when we took the field, I kicked the bag, and I said to myself, middle funnel, replace your feet, follow your throw. Every so you gave, you, you gave yourself a mental uh, kind of reminder every, every day. Every day, every day. And, and Perry was – incredible and you look at my situation i was a like you said a 30th round draft pick um you know al almost 22 years old when i got drafted and now i'm in gastonia north carolina in 1989 started the season as the utility infielder basically an organizational value guy yep. and perry hill told me i would be in the big leagues by the time i was 25 and i was like wow really <laughs> and i didn't think that was even possible and it did something to me i wanted i loved perry so much that i wanted to prove him right and sure enough i get called up in 1992 um, just before i turned 26 years old so i was actually 25 and he was hit the nail on the head well that that that, that shows you the expertise of uh you know what he was looking at and what he saw in you and and, and I, I want to lighten it up here one one second too as well because you know we all saw what happened and I'll turn it over to Dave but we, uh, we all saw what happened uh, with Notre Dame beating uh, Tennessee and uh, uh, I, I talked to Jeff the other day and I called him and I said hey Jeff have uh, have you ever given the finger to the opposing outfielder and what was your answer Jeff <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> That was great when you told me. I said, well, maybe in my senior league game coming up. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We do that kind of stuff out there. <laughs> yeah, and so, actually, we throw harder than the guy that gave up a 35-mile-an-hour home run the other day in our senior league. <laughs> but real quick, what do, you also address character. That's a big thing in your in – your, anybody who follows you on social media. What's going on with the bat flips, the bat spikes? The, what, what the hell's going on? 
You know, I was thinking about that today, and, and you know, I blame Major League Baseball for this because um, Rob Manfred. You know how I feel about Rob. I know you guys probably feel the same. I know you do for sure, Kevin. Yep. But the game has become so boring; it's not entertaining. So they had to try and inject some, I guess, some entertainment value in the game. So we're going to encourage these players to um, just have fun, enjoy the game, and, and encourage the bat flips, encourage the guys stopping at first to take selfies, fake selfie pictures. And the kids, just like I said at the beginning of this, I mean, I emulated all these major leaguers. So the kids are watching these guys, right? And now all of a sudden it's trickling down to the minor leaguers. we got morons like Trevor Bauer encouraging kids to act foolish on the field. And then it's now it's in college. You saw what happened with Tennessee. And it's pretty sad that a, a college program, as good as they were this year, became so hated by everyone because of the way they act, lack of respect, showboating. And everybody, it seemed like in the country except in Tennessee, was rooting for Notre Dame. And I just think it's terrible for the game. No, I'm, I'm with you on that as well, and also the Manfred stance. So I'm in your camp on, on both those. That was a great lesson for my boys. We, we, we have two boys, both play baseball. Uh, both are very aware of Jeff Fry, both as a player and what you're doing right now. We appreciate the messages you're giving to, to our children alone. So thanks Thank for that. My question for you is I see a lot of guys uh, that uh, there's a lot of injuries nowadays. And, and I know we were talking about it offline. You have a unique story. If I read it right and I heard it right, that led up to your signing a couple of workouts, um, one which you played through an injury uh, from what I read. Could you share that with our audience? Yeah, sure. I, well, I was actually uh, finished my senior year at Southeastern Oklahoma State and um, just set the school record in hitting. I hit 452 my senior year and basically thought my career was over. My teammate got invited to a Texas Rangers tryout camp, and he was pretty certain he was going to be drafted by the Cincinnati Reds, so he didn't want to bother going. So I asked him if I could have his invitation to the Rangers tryout camp, and I didn't really know if that was allowed. But um, Coach Matheny at Southeastern called Doug Gassaway. Um, I'm sure Bull knows Doug Gassaway or knew Doug Gassaway, and uh, said that I was coming instead of Benny Colbert and that I wouldn't stand out at a tryout, uh, that you'd have to see me play over time to appreciate me. And I go to this tryout, and I have the day of my life, and I hit three home runs off of three different pitchers and hit a bunch of line drives. And, and the Rangers invite me to the next tryout camp, which is in Arlington Stadium. And uh, two weeks till the next camp, I go the next weekend, I go out on Lake Texoma, and go water skiing, and the rope snaps out of my hand. I bust my on my glove hand, my middle finger and my ring finger wide open at the tip. The emergency room, I have to get five stitches through the tip of my finger and my fingernail on my ring finger, and they glued my middle finger shut. And I told the doctor that I had a trout camp in a week, and he said that, uh, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to go to that. And I said, okay, and uh, – I showed up in Arlington Stadium a week later, having not been able to practice at all. And I you know, went through the doctor's drawers when he left the room. I still feel bad about it. And sold a couple of gauze pads and rubber gloves and put them in my pocket and left. Showed up at the camp with my fingers wrapped in gauze pads with a rubber glove 
over my hand and then squeezed my batting glove over the rubber glove, ran the 60 with my <laughs> batting glove on, hit, I mean, fielded ground balls. Every ground ball was excruciating pain. And then when it was my turn to hit, um, the first swing I, I took, the bat flew out of my hand, hit the top of the cage, and I wouldn't pick my bat up like it was no big deal. And a couple more swings, and they called me out of the cage. They, they could tell something was wrong. And they said, what happened? And I just I said, man, I went water skiing and hurt my hand, and they, I took my glove off. And, you know, my friends who tell this story say blood was dripping down my hand and all that. It's not That's not true. But uh, um, they said, well, obviously you want to play pretty bad. Go home, get your hand ready. We're going to draft you. And they drafted me in the 30th round, and I signed my contract with Jimmy Dreyer. And then he told me that uh, – he said, they tell you about your signing bonus? And I said, no, sir. And he said – well, you get $2,000 for signing. And I was like, all right, let's go. That's a fantastic story. I'm, Dave, I'm glad you brought that up. This He was the rookie before the rookie. <laughs> <laughs> a little younger, but yeah, no, it's a, I, I, re, I remember reading that somewhere and I had it in my back pocket and I wrote it down so I didn't forget it on the show. It's a, it's a great testament to, you know, just resilience. You, you just went there, you, you played hard, people saw you, and then, but you were injured and, you know, fought right through it and, that's a message to the kids out there. You, you know, if you play through stuff, uh, people recognize that toughness. And I think you exuded that throughout your career. That's, well, a, that's you, a great man. story. It, it was, this was my opportunity because there was uh, where at that point in my life, I live, I live in a town of 2000 people in Eastern Oklahoma. And basically uh, after school, you were either going to go work at the Whirlpool factory or the peanut, the peanuts factory. And those were the two best jobs around, and, and that's not what I envisioned for my life. So I was going to do everything possible to make this dream come true. You got a better signing bonus than I did, though. I, I, I got uh, signed as a free agent. I got two extra hats and a team jacket, and I thought I was lucky. But 2000 man, I would have <laughs> killed for that. <laughs> Jeff, I got to ask you, do you still water ski? No, Kevin, I do not, I, but I can jet ski. <laughs> okay. Okay, it's a lot. That's also, that's also a lesson out there for young people. If you got a big trial coming out, don't water ski. Yeah, well, we were knuck, knuckleheads in college, you know, and we were just out having some fun. And uh, I'd water skied my whole, you know, my whole life, and it never had an injury. It's just a fluke thing, and you know, maybe it was just a test. I don't exactly. know. It turned out exactly, and that's a that's a great way to look at it. And the. Uh, I want to ask you about, because I never knew this either, Carl Albert State College. Tell me about that. What was that experience? Oh, man, it's just a, a small town school in Poto, Oklahoma, um, 10 miles from Panama where I grew up. And it's funny, I, I wasn't originally supposed to go to Carl Albert. I was going to eastern Oklahoma State in Wilberton, which is another JUCO, um, to play basketball at a high school. And I was going to walk on. In, in baseball and the summer before playing for Spyro American Legion over a two day period, we, you know, we used to play double hitters every, every, uh, every day. So over four games, I got 15 consecutive hits without making an out. And the Carl Albert coach was happened to be there because I had some of my teammates committed to Carl Albert. And he said, Hey, would you be interested in coming to Carl Albert and playing baseball and basketball? And I was like, Heck yeah. And so I, I made it to, I made it to the first scrim, the first scrimmage in basketball, realized that I probably didn't have much future in basketball um, and decided to focus on baseball. 
that worked out. And the uh, you said an interesting thing in there, and, and uh, I want to ask you this before before Dave fires away with some of his questions. But played every day, you played every day. I think that's something that's being lost here. I, I grew up in the same era. I played at a small college. Uh, we played every day, every day. What's going on with baseball? from what you see to how when you prepared and how you became a better player to, to the preparation stage of what you see in pro ball right now. And also, I mean, there are some great things, and we talked about it last week with win reality. I think that stuff is great, all, all that type of preparation. But what about the preparation of actually playing baseball? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I came up, it was every day was, you know, you get to the field at 2 o'clock and you do your whatever – stuff you need to do to get ready before stretch and then you go out stretch and then you got 50 minutes on the field to work on everything. And, and, you know, everybody had their own schedule. I wasn't the guy who liked to go in the cage and, and hit for hours. Um, I would use more mental preparation and visual stuff and just try and get back to what I was doing when I was successful but it was nonstop work, and especially coming up through the minor leagues. It was I would go to Perry Hill, and you can ask him. I'd say, "Can we come early tomorrow?" And 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 early is, you know, an hour before everybody else even shows up. So we're talking seven thirty, eight in the morning. I'm on the backfields with Perry Hill, shooting me balls, uh, working on double plays, because I knew that defense was something that I had to work on more than hitting, because I was always a pretty good hitter. And so I wanted to give everything I had to this game um, to see if I could make it or not. And I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. I wanted to be able to look in the mirror if I didn't make it and say I gave it everything I had. And that's just what we did. We And I wasn't the only one doing it. I'm not, that's a great point. Other people, you know, mean, there's a legion of players. We all saw the, you know, the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and that, and one thing that, that really meant a lot to me was all the the kids that I and young men that I played with growing up. And and if I could make it, they would all be so proud to tell everybody that their friend made the major leagues. And, and that really that really happened. And, and I remember when I was with the Red Sox, I had three of my high school teammates come up to Boston and uh and showed up at the game, and they were so excited to see their high school teammate in the major leagues. And it just made me proud that, you know, all my family and friends that I grew up with, that I could make them proud. Bull, you've got, you got a question for Jeff. No, just a, just an observation, what Jeff just said. Uh, I signed in 77, and the work ethic day in and day out by the 23 players on those minor league teams that I played on was incredible. And now I don't see that. I, uh, and if I do see it, that guy sticks out like a sore thumb where I go, oh, my gosh, look at this guy. This is a throwback. Um, I look out there, and I've told Kevin this. I said, I look at some guys' faces. They look like I look when I have to go get a root canal on the baseball field. And that's a very sad thing to see, uh, that passion that that you and I both grew up seeing every day. And Dave, you saw when you played in the minor leagues as well. Um, 
the yeah. passion and the work ethic was was incredible. And these athletes are so good. If, my gosh, if they did what we did, the game would be in so much better place than where it is. It's sad. Tremendous yeah, points. Touch on that, Jeff, a little bit. Uh, there's no substitute for hard work. And you, you hit a point. My son was walking by the room when you said it, and he pointed I'm five foot ten, 165 pounds on a good day. And I was a two sport college athlete and got to play a little minor league baseball. I should give hope to everybody when I walk in a room, if they're, they're willing to work at it. Um, what, what players today do you look at and see like, that's a throwback guy. That's a guy that would have survived and excelled in our era. Uh, I see guys like, uh, obviously Mike Trout to me is a throwback guy, even though he's, you know, maybe the best player in the game. Mookie Betts, um, yeah, I don't, to be honest, I hate to admit, I hardly watch the game. <laughs> it's hard for me to watch, but, uh, you know, like, like you mentioned the, the work ethic and, and it was nonstop. We, and we wanted to do it. And I used to go to the manager and say, Hey, we're all going on the road for four days in Baltimore. Can we have an early day where we all show up two hours before normal time? and have the field for an hour just so we could get out there and and work on stuff. And I enjoyed every second of that. It was fun for me to go out, you know, on a beautiful day in a major league stadium and shag down fly balls in the outfield for somebody else who wanted to work on their hitting. And I don't know. I, I, I don't see teams take infield anymore. I don't see the, I just don't see the things that I saw in the game that, that made me appreciate and love how everybody seemed to work hard. And what baffles me is they have all this information. They have all this technology. They have, they have better nutrition. They have chefs that work for these teams. They have all this better training equipment and, and trainers and all this stuff that, and these guys I do believe are physically more gifted than we were. Um, but why are they not better baseball players? If we had all this stuff, we would have been so much better because I mean, I remember going in Fenway park and center field in the batting cage with rats running around with Jim Rice throwing me BP and, and you could barely even see because the lights were, were busted out. And it's like, we would do anything we could do just to get better. And, you know, I still, I believe you know, in the eighties and nineties was the best baseball has ever been. Yeah. And talk about, we, we try to give our audience simple drills they can do. And I want to go back to Perry Hill. I had a chance to experience him a little bit, um, not as a player, but as an observer. And he had the guys out there early doing what he called the wall drill. And he was talking a lot about, you know, funnel replace, follow your throw. He was doing the power feeds. Did you experience the wall drill and, and um, could you explain that to our audience a little bit, just how simple that is and, and how guys can work on their, their fielding? No, I never did the wall drill with Perry. Um, that's something that he came up with later. But, uh, you know, as a kid, all I did was throw the ball against the wall and, and work on just catching the ball in the middle of my body. And I've shown, seen Perry's videos of the wall drill, and I love it. it it's a simple. You go out there and you just work on your basic fundamentals. And once you do it over and over and over, it becomes – natural thing to you. you don't have to think about it and it's so simple you don't need a partner you need to ball your glove and 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 some dedication to go out there and work on it and work on, on getting better and 
Perry, in my opinion, is the best in the game. I know a lot of people say Ron Washington. Those two guys are, are, are at the very top of the game as far as instruction and teaching infield. And I think what you see when you see the videos of these guys is their dedication and dedication to these players and wanting them to get better because Perry never once took credit for me making the big leagues. He was doing his job and he wanted it for me because he knew, you know, what a special thing it is for a young man to, to reach that level. Yeah. And that, and, you know, and that's what it takes. And again, I, I, think, I, was, yeah, I, I was covering the uh, Padres through that time. And those, those players, they worked every day. You know, I got to see Roberto. I first noticed, and quick story, but I first noticed Roberto Alomar in a backfield in Yuma, Arizona. He was just way before he was, a, you know, a couple a year before he was a rookie, and um, his 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 uniform was covered with grass stains. That's how I first noticed during batting practice. You mm-hmm. never see that anymore. You never see any of that anymore. And I think the game is much sadder for that. One other thing I wanted to address was I know you do a great job with the uh, the 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 tee and the hitting tee. And I know you have a, a hitting tee out there. Explain, explain to these, uh, again, we deal with youth league, high school, college, and young pro players. Explain to them about the, the, the art of hitting off the tee and what you're trying to do with, with, with that tee that you uh, endorse. Yeah. You're just trying to, to develop consistency. And I, and I think, uh, you know, I, I didn't use a tee a lot growing up. I didn't have access to a tee. But everybody seems to have access to a tee now. And I think the one misnomer about a lot of the tees that I see out there is that a tee is going to make you better player. No, you're you practicing hitting balls off of the tee and not any one specific tee is going to make you better than the other. It's going out and taking the time to practice and working on balls in different locations and learning how to use your hands and how to get the barrel directly to the baseball as short and as quick as you can is going to make you a better player. And, you know, at the company that uh, Rotor System USA, which uh, has hired me as a brand ambassador, we've created a tee that's made in Italy. Uh, Mike Piazza has endorsed it. It's made out of composite material. Um, And it's a tee. It's not going to do anything special, but it's easily transportable. It's very affordable and very durable. And I'm so excited! This Artees will be on the market within the next month. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm certainly going to get one from my grandson. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Mike Piazza because you know Mike and I uh, we've we've known each other for a long time. Love to talk. He, he's just he, he's a wealth of baseball knowledge. And you know, yeah, and you've all heard the story. And I love this dad, Vince. Um, Vince told me many stories about Mike, and and um, and this is just a little tip for people. Um, Ted Williams came over to Mike's house, watched him hit BP as a kid and said, this kid's going to really go somewhere. And that kind of gave him that energy to, to keep going. But I asked Mike once, I said, Mike, what was your whole philosophy of hitting? And he brought it down uh, to one sentence. And, and I want to ask you your philosophy of hitting. But Mike's philosophy of hitting was real simple. He goes, I want to knock that bleeping pitcher's head off. That's my goal. So uh, <laughs> what, what, what's your philosophy when it comes down to basic hitting? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It was uh, get my pitch and don't miss it. And I looked fastball and I would, uh, you know, I had good hand-eye coordination. And if I got my pitch in the right spot, I didn't miss it very often. And if I got two strikes, 
I would think fastball to the opposite field gap and just adjust to the off speed and try and put the ball in play. Yeah, that works. Yep. 290, it definitely did. That's not an easy task to do one season over a career. Uh, I want to go to the other side of the ball, Jeff, the defensive side, uh, second base. You know, I watched the way the guys have to slide now, and it's very passive. They've taken away the breakup of the, of the double play. Explain to our young audience out there, second base, when you played, was dangerous. You have your back to the double play. Uh, you've got your, you know, your feet is in the direction of third or short. Your back's to the runner. They could go three feet to the right, three feet to the left, and they came in hard. Um, you know, I was showing young kids that little hop at the end of it to jump over. They had no idea what I was talking about. They're like, why would you hop? And it's because of the rules of the, uh, the game today. Talk about that part of it. Um, we saw a guy thrown out double play the other day. We just randomly slid into the bag. But explain to our audience just how dangerous it was for a second baseman and how you kind of navigated the bag back then. Yeah, well, Perry to, Hill to, taught to me that crappy. too. Perry Hill taught me that too. And it was, uh, you know, back in those days as a middle infielder, being able to turn a double play was key. And if you were a guy who would bail out and wouldn't hang in there to the last second, that was a knock against you. And I prided myself on staying in there until the last second and trying to turn that double play. And what Perry taught me was as a second baseman, I would go to the bag, get to the bag early, never late, um, because and you have to cheat as a middle infielder. You you pinch the middle because – you're trying to get two outs with one pitch, so you have to give up a little bit of range. So I would go to the bag with my left foot. I would go to the ball with my right foot. I would anticipate a bad throw and try and catch every ball in the middle of my body. If it was the third baseman or the shortstop, um, maybe the shortstop backhand, I would almost every single time go across the bag and try and get about three feet away from second base. That way the runner couldn't take me out. Didn't work all the time. Sometimes there's bad throws. You had to, a low throw. You had to stay at the bag and just kind of get rid of it and take the hit. But I mean, we we wanted that was that was the fun part of it was taking that hit and and hearing this guy. I still remember to this day hearing Kurt Gibson breathing heavily as he's bearing down on me and Mark Witten and Albert Bell. My first game in the big leagues um, after I took out Bayerga and knocked him down. The first, my first game in the big leagues, the first time I got on base, I knocked Bayerga down on the ground because that's what we were supposed to do and got high fives in the dugout. But I didn't realize that uh, now those guys were coming after me. And Albert Bell actually, on a double play ball, never slid and ran straight through the base my first game in the big leagues. Uh, that's a wake-up call. Yeah, and they were on me so quick. I never, Mark Witten, I went, I caught the ball, and he was already at the base. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to be a little bit quicker. These guys are so quick. Well, that, you know, one of the things Bull and I talk about all the time and, and, and you know, we're going to, you know, we, we love to touch space with our guests about this, but the romanticism of the game and, and, and the, the teammates and, and what, what teammates meant to you. I mean, I'm looking at some of the teams that you played for and you had some special guys there, like a young Nomar Garcia Parra. But tell us about some of the teammates and some of the good times you had with those guys. Oh, man, I had some great teammates. Um, when, I, when I first came up with the Rangers, we had, uh, um, you know, the middle infield was me and Dickie Thon, 
but it also had, you know, Tom Hankey was there, Nolan Ryan and Gino Petrali and Brian Downing. And, and I was fortunate enough to play middle infield with a guy named Dickie Thon, who was a star uh, before he got hit in the eye with the ball. And then, you know, Boston, I was there when they brought Nomar up and, you know, everybody was excited, you know, but the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that the year before I was the second baseman, John Valentin was a shortstop and Tim Nairing was the third baseman. Well, when they brought Nomar up, their plan was to move John Valentin to second base and Tim Nairing stayed at third and Jeff Fry went to the bench. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, there was no denying Nomar's talent. And uh, but eventually uh, Timmy Nairing got hurt and, and I, they experimented with me at third base for about a week and realized that wasn't going to work and put me back at second and Val at third. And he became a great third baseman. And I, mean, I had so much fun playing with those guys. And Nomar and I had a great rapport. And we didn't have to really communicate a lot. We just knew where each other were going to be. And, uh, you know, and then I go to Colorado. I play with Nephi Perez at short. And then um, Toronto with Alex Gonzalez. So I, I was fortunate enough to play with – and Benji Gill was my, my teammate also. Uh, so I had a lot of guys that, uh, you know, that were a joy to play with that had the same passion for the game that I have. Well, bringing up Nomar, um, the, uh, I, I, went, I was in Pawtucket once talking to the people who were, you know, in charge of Pawtucket. And one of the things I remember them telling me – this was had to be 20 years ago – but they told me that they knew Nomar was going to be special when he first arrived. He he asked the clubby for the locker closest to the exit door to the field because he didn't want to waste one second even going from the other side of the clubhouse to, oh, to wow. the field. Yeah, so that that gives you a little bit of an indication, and I want to make our, our, our listeners understand that that's what it takes, you know? guy with all that talent still wouldn't waste a second. Every day he was out there working just like you were working, and I, and I think I think that that is a lost art too. I'm, and and Bull mentioned it earlier, you know, you see that you see some things in the minor leagues now where guys aren't working. And, again, I don't want this to be, oh, you know, in my year it was better because you clearly stated that. These athletes, if they were taught and worked a certain way, they would be, they would rise above. So, it, for for that situation, for what the Nomars did, for what you did to get where you wanted to go, uh, there's the secret ingredient. Is, I hear it over and over again, but the secret ingredient is work, right? Yep, hard work, and and it's also I mean, we had some great instructors. Ah, good point. Great yep. instructors. That's. You know, that we listened to every word they said and, and and we worked at getting better. And I think that is a huge problem with the game today is that a lot of these people that are teaching in the minor leagues never played this game. And you cannot replace that experience. And there's so many great baseball men that are not involved in the game anymore because they've been pushed away because now everything's about numbers and data and analytics and the baseball men who experience things that can pass this stuff down to these kids have been eliminated. And I think that is really the biggest problem with our game right now. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because uh, that, that, that is the biggest problem. And you talk, when you're talking about lessons passed down, but not only passed down from that 
generation of instructor, but they came from previous generations. So, so, so this is not just something, this is what cracks me up about the nerd crowd. Uh, you know, those, those teachers, they went through everything. They've seen everything. So, so, so the nerd crowd thinks they've invented things now, but everything they talk about has always been done. I was talking to, uh, uh, someone, a scout the other day who said, yeah, you know, uh, three years ago, power sinkers weren't, 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 weren't popular. Now power sinkers are popular. They're popular if you have guys who know how to throw a power sinker and you need those kind of instructions. There's a, a, a pretty famous story making the rounds now in the minor leagues about a, and I won't mention the organization, but about a, a coach from the, a, a new breed, a new era coach basically telling his pitchers, um, you know, uh, I'm not a mechanic. I'm not here to be your mechanic, you know, and, and, and that's the wrong approach. You have to be a mechanic because it's those little things that they teach you that make you a better ball player. I would imagine. I agree. I mean, a lot of it was when, when, when I was in the Meyer leagues, a lot of the pitching coaches were, you know, they'd never seen these players before. And these players, we didn't have the video, access and things like that where you could just you know you're filming your bullpen session whatever and there's just little tweaks that guys with experience who have taught guys over the years and probably played at least in the minor leagues have learned over the years and they pass this stuff down try this try this you're doing this you're doing that and all that stuff is gone now now everything's let's video this and let's go in in the clubhouse afterward and pull out the ipad and we'll see what your spin rate is and how much movement you have and all these things that is too much information for these guys. And these guys don't, don't learn how to pitch. I, I talked to a very, very close friend who works for an organization the other day who told me that all they're teaching, they're teaching all their pitchers in the Meyer leagues to throw fastballs up in the zone. That's all they're teaching them. They're not teaching them anything else, how to get guys low and away up and in. Everything is max effort, up in the zone because these hitters are swinging up. And if you throw it in this spot consistently, they're not going to touch it. And they're not teaching these kids how to pitch. And I think we can see that um, if we can stomach watching a baseball game. That I watch Aaron Judge. And by the way, Kevin, I'm a huge Aaron Judge fan, huge fan. I hate the fact that he's associated with Lil Richie. But this guy is, in my mind, the perfect guy to replace Derek Jeter in New York. He's a class guy, incredible talent. And I watch these home runs that he hits and most of them are balls right down the middle of the plate. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, belt high. Can you throw Aaron judge a belt high 93 mile an hour fastball and think you're going to get away with it. And I just think he, these guys don't know how to pitch. He is outsmarted them. And I, you know, I'm, I was very close to judge when I covered every day, so close to his family. And, um, he 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 basically gets these pitchers because they're so there's no other word for it they're idiots mm -hmm. he, he gets them to throw pitches where he can extend and he's strong enough to hit it out of any part of the park and he he does exactly what you're saying and he and the other thing is jeff when he hits a home run what does he do he's not spiking bats he's not doing bat flips for the most part you know maybe once in a while if it's a playoff game we get excited but he's running around the bases not showing anybody up, you know, doing it right. He was taught right. His parents were gym teachers, you know, and, and in that industry, teachers, and they raised him right. And, and we could use a little more of that. And that's why we wanted to have you on today because uh, we want our people to understand that the game, 
should be played a certain way. And everything you're doing on social media, um, you know, is, is, is getting that point across. And that's why, uh, you know, I'm so happy that we're able to have a nice baseball discussion today. And uh, uh, I'll, I'll let Dave wrap it up. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, Jeff, I just have one more, and I want you to kind of tell our audience afterwards how they can find you on social media and, and then whatever you want to explain about She Gone. I, I love following you as well. With all this misinformation out there, whether it's analytics or, you know, our resident hitting gurus out there, pitching gurus, and it's filtering its way through professional baseball now, unfortunately. With all this going on, how does our young audience and their parents and their coaches, how do they find their Perry Hill? What do they look for to kind of differentiate between the, you know, the guys that don't get that they don't get it and that true teacher that, that you had in the minor leagues? Yeah, I think it's tough, to be honest with you, David, because there's so many people out there now that are selling themselves as these experts. And I think the parents just have to do some homework before you go in and, and just turn your kid over to somebody. Um, and I know, you know they may not have the access to the people that we have in the game, but use some common sense and and watch the instructor. And if you're seeing this guy pull out fishing nets and PVC pipes and doing stupid stuff and, and you, you know, ask him what, you know, what, what was your playing career? And when they tell you that, you know, they, you know, they played JV and then they, um, you know, never got past that level. I'd be a little concerned because having somebody with that at least had some success in this game, help your kid, I think is very beneficial. And, they can also teach them, which is something that's very lacking in the game, is respect. And you see so much of, um, respect is gone in our country, it seems like, that you don't respect your elders, you don't respect people who came before you. And you see it all the time on social media where people who never played this game at any level speak of talking nonsense to guys who played it at the highest level on the planet. And I just think the parents need to do a little research because there are some great instructors out there. I know I, with the She Gone, I really like to expose the ones that I think are hurting kids, but there are some really good instructors out there. Do a little homework. If you go buy, if you need to go buy a new washing machine, you're not just going to drive into the store and buy the first one you see. You're going to do some research. So do the same thing when you're looking for instructors for your kids. That's great advice. And Bull, you had a question you wanted to ask Jeff. Maybe not. He'll come in in a second here. Uh, Jeff, one last thing for me, and I'm sorry I said that the last time. What, what, are, what are you trying to accomplish with She Gone? I know trying to expose some of these guys, but what other things are you trying to get done with She Gone Nation? Well, I'm just trying to get um... – I want to get fun back in the game. I want kids to get back out and start playing. And I think there's too much of a focus on um, getting your kids all these lessons and playing, playing in these showcases and all these things. And parents are getting fleeced, um, and their kids aren't having fun. And you know, playing it, playing in these all these select tournaments and things. The kids don't practice during the week to go play games on the weekend, and they don't get any better because all they do is play. And they need to practice, and they need to find an organization that teaches um, respect and and teaches their kids the basic fundamentals because that's what they need at this level. And 
there are people out there that are doing it the right way. There's a lot that are. There are a lot that are doing it the right way. And the message of the Shigon Nation is to educate parents to this process and let their kids have fun because the odds of them playing this game professionally are so slim. So don't ruin the time you have with your kids, pushing them to do all these special things when all they want to do is be kids and have fun. Uh, well said. Well, I think you got one more, right? Yeah, I sorry, I had my mute on, but I, uh, you know, you had mentioned earlier about the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Uh, maybe some way we could pressure Major League Baseball into educational programs. There's, there's former players and coaches and scouts all over the country that would gladly educate parents and direct them towards the right kind of people for their kids. Yeah. Uh, there's so many people stealing parents' money now, it's sad. And uh, in the long run, we have kids that end up not really loving baseball. And baseball people know how to create an environment where kids love baseball. And uh, I wish... I wish our commissioner would dedicate some money to the kids in this country to grow the game that way instead of with gambling and things like that. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'm actually part of a movement, Save the Game, uh, the Save the Game movement with Kevin um, Kevin Gallagher. Kevin Gallagher, right, yes. Kevin Gallagher. And, and, and we're trying to get an audience with Major League Baseball and the commissioner because we want to get back to teaching the basis, basics to kids and you know, we'd love people to go on our website and sign the petition. We want to get as many signatures as we can. We just got endorsed by Peter King the other day. And the website is savethegameus.com. Sign the petition. Uh, and because we want to partner with Major League Baseball. We don't want this to be an adversarial thing. We want to partner and work together to start growing the game and get kids back to playing this game at the Little League level and youth level where kids – um, have fun and their parents can afford their kids to go play baseball. And when you get in that meeting with Rob, treat him kindly. Okay, Jeff. I mean, uh... I will at first, Kevin, you know that I can't, no promise. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I think that's one thing about me is, is, uh, <laughs> that's why we love you. To a fault. I'm brutally honest and, and, and I can't help it. If I see something's wrong, I'm going to speak out and, um, that's just who I am. So, well, we hit you. Yeah, we love you for it. Good. Keep it up. Yeah. You're getting out of your corner. Well, thank you, David. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, so we got job. And uh, anybody who listens to this is going to become a better baseball player immediately. Well, that's what we're trying to do, right? And I appreciate no it. No question. We've got six. and Bull, and I'll keep doing my thing on social media and and. Um, uh, you know, you guys keep doing your thing, and hopefully we can work together. And, Kevin, I'll let you know when those batting tees are ready to roll. They're going to be pretty special. Well, put me down. I'm buying one. Put two aside for me, too. I got one, too. All right. So we got to go savethegameus.com. Is that right, Jeff? Savethegameus.com. So all our listeners, please go to that, sign the petition. Where else can they find you on, on Twitter, Instagram, Jeff? Uh, could you give yep. us your sites for the audience? Uh, Twitter is at... Capital O three J Fry, um, certified hitting guru. I just named myself that, by the way, on Instagram, um, on LinkedIn, Facebook under Jeff Fry, and um, 
The company that has hired me as a brand ambassador is called Rotor System USA. Um, based out of Grapevine, Texas, our products are made in Italy by Paolo De Prima's father, who's 86 years old, and he's had his factory in Italy for 60 wow. years. So wow. it's pretty cool. So all of our listeners, please please go to Jeff's sites, sign the petition, go to Rotor System USA. Let's let's challenge our audience to, to all buy a tea. We all could use a tea in our world. Um, Jeff, thanks so much. Fantastic interview. We're glad to have you on. We'd love to have you come back um, as well soon. Uh, I think our audience loves, they were excited enough to listen to you before you said a word. I got 200 emails, as I said before. I can't imagine my homework, what it's going to be tomorrow after the interview. So uh, we're going to post this evening. So it should, should be out Monday night. Um, want to challenge our listeners to also forward this interview to at least two friends um, that really need to better their baseball IQ. And then when you follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, Amazon, or iHeartRadio, you know, subscribe, follow, like, share, give us five hearts. Uh, we've been doing really well on there. Please follow us on Twitter also. It's you can search Coach and Kernan, or you can follow it at David D'Agostine. They left the O off. They, they changed my nationality from Italian to something else. So D-A-V-I-D-D-A-G-O-S-T-I-N, number 16. Follow us there. DM us. Uh, we'll get back to you right away. We also will, will respond to every email. Follow Kevin also on Twitter, at AMBS underscore Kernan, America's most beloved sports writer. Follow him on Ball 9. Two tremendous articles every week. I never miss them. And... Jeff, again, thanks so much uh, for coming on. Uh, we're going to keep you posted on our progress, and please let us know how we can help out your cause as well. Okay, David. Well, thank you very much, fellas, for having me. I enjoyed it. I was so looking forward to this because uh, um, I've listened to the first couple shows, and I think you guys are doing a great job. And anything I can do to help you, you just let me know. She gone. She gone. She gone. Awesome. Hashtag it. There we go. Great job.